Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. What's up, everyone? You're back to this channel for one of my favorite things in the world, a Collider Ladies Night episode. That's in person, Cleopatra Coleman. Hello, I'm so happy we're talking in LA where it's warm. I'm not covering my hair with a beanie for an entire week because I can't function unless my ears are covered. (laughs) It's nice to be here talking to you. It's nice to be here, thank you. So you got no warning here on what happens on Collider Ladies Night. You just sat down and you didn't even ask, like, what? what is this contraption? No, I'm just trusting you. Okay. It might be a mistake. I mean, it depends what questions <laughs> you roll. So the first thing we do on Ladies Night is we play dicey questions. You okay. get three rolls on this tower. I've got okay. eight random questions here. And whatever you roll, that's where we start. Okay. So. Wow. You get to do the honors. So I just, it, okay. You just drop it right oh, in here. There. And okay. it'll shoot wow. out into I didn't grass. even get a good. Looks All like right. Jurassic Park. It's very cool. Uh-oh. Oh, dear. Classic uh, me. I think that's a seven. That looks that's like a, good a seven. Number. Oh, you got an easy one. This is good. This one is a rap gift. Okay. What is the best or most memorable rap gift you've ever received or given? Oh, um, well, when I give, it's usually just like little candly things like that. But oh, on Last Man on Earth, we got a survival kit. So we got like dehydrated food and like packs of water and like in a backpack. I don't know where it is, but they gave it to me. Okay. It was a pretty, yeah. (laughs) What is the most random thing in that survival pack that is useful that you never would have expected to be in there? Well, maybe like, well, dehydrated food you'd expect to be in there, but I'm never going to use it. I mean, well, hopefully. Hopefully. If it's still good, I bought a, I bought a, an emergency earthquake kit. I bought yeah. one for my cat before I bought one for myself, but then it just, it sits there and everything spoils and needs to be replaced, but then you don't remember to re- replace anything. Yeah, I got one the other day, actually. It's funny you mentioned. My mom's been bugging me for years to get one, so. This is a good reminder for me to replenish my supply. <laughs> Hopefully I don't need it. All right. 
Next one up here. Next roll. For you. Okay. Yours are usually wedged open a little more than they are right now. Come I don't know what you're come hoping on, baby. for on this list right now. <laughs> what do you see? One. You see a one. Okay. Oh, I'm happy we got this one. So this is an infinity pool inspired question. I'm okay. calling it failing naturally. So <laughs> you're in a commercial where you, like real you, you're not playing someone. You have to fail naturally. Let me make sure I, I word this properly. So you can't be without this particular product you're trying to sell. What product would you be able to sell best? Ooh, um... Maybe, uh, geez, that's tough. Uh, like something to do with food? Yes. I like eating and I could be naturally passionate about that. Oh, you took it the opposite. <laughs> I'm like, I suck at cooking. So if I have to fail naturally at a commercial where I have to sell a cooking tool. What am I bad at? That would make it easier? I don't know. Like an air fryer. Like yeah, I, I, I don't have any experience fryers. with that. <laughs> that's too high tech for me. Okay. Okay. <laughs> you got one more roll on the tower. Okay. Four? Four. All right. Number four is high-low. Can you give me one audition high and then also one audition low and tell me what you learned from that low that you could apply to future auditions? Oh, my gosh. Um, okay. Well, there's a lot of lows, but you also kind of just forget them. So let me just, like, go back. Um, you know, I don't miss the in-person audition, I will say, because you have to like fight traffic across town, get yourself into this studio, which is inevitably in like some massive, massive building and you have to find the right room and then you get in and like someone that you really, really respect is in the room waiting for you and you're just like sweating balls. And I've had a couple of experiences like that where I did not get the job. And then I guess a high would be um, I sent in a tape for Rebel Moon on like a Friday and then on a Monday it was like, you got it. Huh. So that was pretty cool. Okay, I have a follow-up question. For anyone out there who doesn't like making tapes or doing virtual auditions, is there a tip or trick you've come up with that, you know, still makes it feel like natural and I don't know, like you're in whatever atmosphere you need to be to give your best possible audition. Well, here's my theory on auditions. I actually prefer a self-tape. I get a lot of my jobs from self-tapes because I feel it's actually the closest thing to what I would do if I got the job. Whereas in an audition, like I said, there's like you're fighting traffic, maybe the temperature's weird, you know, the energy of like certain people in the room, maybe the casting director really, really wants you to get it. And so they're like, kind of overdoing it or maybe they don't really feel you and so then there's that vibe but I would say for self-tapes like it takes the pressure away I don't really have any tips other than try to be off book because you don't want to be like reading anything and like I feel like looking down when it's framed on like a computer is kind of worse than like in the room but I just think it's it's way way superior to going in the room that's my opinion not not everyone agrees but I like that way of looking at it um, all right, we're gonna jump into it. This is the meat of our interview now. Every single okay. Collider Ladies Night starts here. What is the movie, performance, personal experience you had, whatever it may be, that first made you say to yourself, I have to be an actor and nothing else? Wow, well, um, I started off as a dancer. I thought I was gonna be a ballet dancer. That was my whole thing. Like from age four, I was doing ballet. I actually told my parents. I went to a class with a friend and then I 
declared to my parents at age four that I was going to keep going to classes. And I was always the most like theatrical one. Um, and then when I was seven, my dad made a short film and I was in that. I played an alien. Um, and and then I just decided one day that I wanted to be <laughs> an actor. I made a list of um, some shows that I wanted to be on and I knew they were filming in Melbourne. And I convinced my parents to move across the country to Melbourne. And within a year, I was on one of those shows, which is crazy. I think it's more just, I don't know, proof of maybe manifestation or I don't know what it was. But yeah, that's how I got started. My head is exploding with follow-up <laughs> questions. The first one that came to mind is, what was this alien short film about specifically? Um, well, it's called Transplanet. It was kind of about magic mushrooms. Okay. Okay, I'm glad I asked. <laughs> My parents are big-time hippies. I grew up in Byron Bay, which is like a total like alternative hippie town. And uh, I guess that's what was going on. I was not aware of that at the time as a seven-year-old, but I grew up going to raves and, yeah, Okay. I'm sure you have more follow-up questions now. <laughs> I mean, I have a couple. The, the next one that had come to mind before, at least, was what kind of convincing did you have to do to get them to pick up and move? Or were they kind of on board initially because they, they believed in your work in the Alien short film? They believed in me a lot. I don't, I, I, they raised me to kind of just be creative. They were creative people as well. So it wasn't like a, I never had to like come out to my parents. I was like, you guys, I'm not going to be like working in an office or having a normal job. I'm going to be an artist. I know it's scary. I didn't have to do that. And so they were very supportive. I have no idea why. I guess they're just wonderful. <laughs> Lucky. Look at your body of work. That's why they knew what was going to happen. So you make this list of all these shows that you want to be on. When you want to actually go out and try to get a role, what did you think was the first step in terms of actually booking a role on one of those shows? And now having done it, is that a first step you would recommend to someone else out there who wants to pursue a similar path? Definitely. I think my first step was trying to find an agent and someone to send me out for things. And they sent me out on a national commercial for direct factory outlets. I still remember it was... Um, it was Charlie's Angels Go Shopping was the whole theme. And I was the main one. And I was like got your wallet, got your map, let's go shopping. And then it had a freeze frame of us like walking. <laughs> Is this like when the Charlie's Angels movies came uh, out? Possibly, because I was Because like I bought a Nokia 13, phone 14. because of that movie. So I feel yeah. like I'd probably buy all this clothing. It was quite influential, <laughs> that film. Um, yeah, I was like 13 or 14 then. And yeah, just got an agent and then just like went out on as many auditions as I could and just didn't really say no to anything. I think especially in Australia, it wasn't very diverse. So I kind of, I had to work really hard to convince people. Like people never really had me in mind per se for anything they were writing and I had to win them over. And I look back at that now and I think, well, that was really awesome because it was kind of like a boot camp in a way that sort of had to be undeniable. I had to like have it. Um, so I'm actually really grateful for that. But I would say that's a that's good advice for anyone is be oh, prepared. Like absolutely, especially yeah. in this industry where yeah. every single ounce of it is extremely challenging. Yeah. So you you started getting work there in Australia. I'm very curious about making the move to Hollywood because I feel like I've had so many conversations where it's it's usually like a challenging and uh, like a very surprising path to go from a film and television industry in any corner of the world to Hollywood. Yeah. So I guess my first question in that department was. 
was the dream to like break in in Hollywood or is that something that kind of happened naturally? Um, well, I had been working in Australia for since age 14 to about 19. And um, my dad and I made another short, we made a short film together because he wanted to teach me how to complete things because I had a lot of ideas but was never completing them. And I remember the last shooting day, I was going to fly to LA the following day. And my reasoning behind that was because after working in the industry in Australia for a number of years, I just found there was this glass ceiling for me and like there wasn't as much opportunity as I would have liked. And I was like, I want to go where there's a lot of opportunity and there's a lot that I can do. And, you know, my agent told me, don't, don't do it. And like, you know, it was a very scary thing, of course, but I just did it. When I was like 19, I visited for a while um, got a manager, my first manager, and then made the move shortly after. Um, and then just was lucky enough to get some jobs and then just kept going. Many questions again. Why didn't your agent want you to make that move? I think she was losing a lot of clients. Like a lot of Aussie actors were like migrating over, at least for pilot season, at least to, to try it out. And I think she felt perhaps that, you know, she was losing clients. <laughs> I could kind of understand that, I guess. So you get there and you eventually start booking things. Do you remember the first thing you booked in Hollywood that I guess made things feel real? Like you had momentum that you could act on and truly build a career here? Yeah. Yeah. It was Step Up Revolution. <laughs> Not going to tell you the how many fourth. times I've seen that movie. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I mean, it's so fun. Uh, yeah, I, I got that and I got to go to Miami for a couple of months and live in a hotel and just, yeah, film this really fun dance movie and play a DJ and then learned how to DJ based off that and made friends and my dad visited and it was great. Yeah. So with that, and I, I ask this question a lot now because I, I find that we often look at something as someone's breakout performance and say like, oh, it's smooth sailing from there. It's fine. Right. But it's always different for the person who's actually going through it. And I think Wikipedia actually calls that movie your breakthrough performance. So did it feel that way to you? And if so, what is something that actually did change for the better from that movie? Um, no, I mean, it depends how you look at it, I guess. I wouldn't I wouldn't necessarily say it was a breakout performance, but it was that moment that you described of like, okay, like I think maybe I can be okay here. I can make money. I can stay here. I can continue my visa, blah, blah, blah. Um, I don't know if Last Man on Earth is a breakout, although again, it really did feel like, cause that went on for four years and I was like, okay, like I'm a working actor in LA, like that's happening for me. Um, but I would even feel like it's even more recent. I would say it would be like a lot of nothing, this film that just came out, because to me, it's like a character I've been wanting to play for 20 years. I've been acting 20 years and, you know, I've been waiting for something like that. And it, that just came out. So it's it's funny, like the perspective probably isn't like that at all. But for me, that's how it feels. I wonder if that movie is the answer to this question. But here's another one I like to ask of all of the projects that you've done. Which one would you say help put into perspective your goals for yourself the most, both in terms of the stories you want to tell and also the onset experiences you wanted to have? I would say a lot of nothing for sure, for sure, because I mean, it was so deeply challenging. The character I was playing was She's quite unhinged and that's something that I'm really enjoying now and something that I think, although I like to 
have variety. I like to play all different kinds of characters. Like M in Infinity Pool is very buttoned up and that was a totally different energy. And then a lot of nothing, Vanessa is incredibly complex and can be very volatile um, and vulnerable and all of these different colors. Um, and then the character I just played, V. Stiviano uh, on Sterling, similar thing where there's just like a lot there. That's something that I want to get more involved with, these sort of deeply flawed, maybe sometimes unlikable female characters. I think they're important and I think um, – We've had a lot of male characters like that, that we you might not always like them, but you love them and you're rooting for them. That's the place that I want to play in. How has that goal changed maybe the audition or even the offer process for you? Because I feel like, you know, when you're first starting out, you kind of want to accept everything that comes your way just to build experience. But as you go on in this industry, that isn't always the case. And you want to make sure that you're getting the material that offers you those kinds of, uh, you know, creative ways of expressing yourself. But sometimes in the audition stays, stage, you don't know if it's even there. So what are you looking for earlier on to signal to you that in the long run, that is going to be the meaty role I want it to be? Well, I think there's a time and a place for that. Like not everyone gets that kind of trajectory for me I've always been sort of like a journeyman actor and a working actor because I've been doing it for so long and like would obviously say no to things that were completely inappropriate but would pretty much audition for most things just to throw my hat in the ring and then you know obviously there were times when I didn't want to and my management was like you know I think that you should throw your hat in the ring and if you get it then you can say no you know I've always kind of had that policy but that's no longer my policy. I'm now in a position that I think I can pick and choose a little more and be a little more um, intentional about what I want to do. And especially in a time where we have more films and more shows than ever before and like so much noise, I'm like, well, what are we saying? Like not only what is the character, but what are we saying in the film or the project overall and how are we contributing to the conversation? So that's what I'm looking for now. I don't know if you want to name a title, but now I'm curious. What is something you didn't want to audition for? Someone else encouraged you to give it a shot and whether you booked the role or not, you got something valuable out of the experience. I mean, like I said, you have this like amnesia about audition. It. You just like immediately delete file, delete file. Um, so I don't know if I can think of a title. There's definitely been things that I'm like, that's not, I should not play that. That's not okay. I should not play that role. But thank you. <laughs> I get that. I get that. <laughs> I wanted to go back to Last Man on Earth briefly because I know Will said that he wants to give that show a more official end, whether it's another season or I think there might have been a suggestion for a movie wrap-up. Has that been addressed at all or is that kind of an idea that's just floating out there that no one's really acting upon yet? It's something, you know, I get messages every day about that, of people, like, getting to the end of being like, what, what? Um, it's something that's been discussed but never in an official capacity. Um, we all still have a group text. We're all still in touch. We all still do the happy birthdays and dinners every now and then. We love each other dearly. Um, it's a great group of people, and we just had such a good time. It was like a dream for four years. I would love to to go back. Um, I don't know what it's going to take. I don't know. We'll see. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. I always get like, I don't know, like chills or even sad thinking about an ending like that. And it makes me think, I don't know if you've ever watched Ash versus Evil Dead, but like I, I think about it. where... you say you have no I haven't oh, you should you should it's so good I but know it's got, of it it's got like a similar ending oh, where really? it's got a cliffhanger that opens the door up to all these wonderful possibilities and, and was very much there to tease something more and then it's just like the rug is pulled out from under you I know but it's kind of iconic like the fact that it ends that way it leaves people wanting more it's like positive spin on it <laughs> yeah trying to I mean also like you know the way Seinfeld ended right like no one wanted it to end but he wanted to end it on a good note I mean ours wasn't quite planned that way but I think in a way it kind of makes it iconic I get it I get it and you know there's something to be said for something living on creatively in the viewers brains too when yeah. they can keep thinking about it and thinking of the possibilities actually I'll throw that that your way now if there was a particular, I don't know, corner of Erica's personality or experience that you would most want to play with more in another season or a movie, what would you choose? I would love to get into like her backstory and what she was up to in Australia because she's really full of surprises. Like there was that one episode where she's telling Jason Sudeikis' character that um, she, like, held up a bank, and it's just kind of like, what? Like, where did that come from? I would love to know more. Okay. Love to know more about that. I'll take that. I like that <laughs> idea here. Before, I, I have so many uh, very specific infinity pool questions, sure. but before I get there, I was like, asking this question because it gives me a chance to hit more titles. With all of the actors, all the co-stars you've ever had, can you give me one who had a very similar process to your own, where the second you hit set, you were immediately in sync? But then I want the opposite, someone with a completely different approach to the work who maybe challenged you to adapt and try something new and for the better. Hmm. Well, I would say on Dope Sick, Caitlin Deva and I, you know, were playing lovers and... I don't know if it was because she's a woman or just specifically her, but we got into sync really easily. And, you know, it's always like this. Of course, the love scene is like the first day of shooting, you know, so that's really daunting. And our love scene had a lot of dialogue before and like crying and things like that. So that was like a pretty intense scene to, to start with. And I, we just kind of just got right in there and, and there was not a moment that I felt she left me, you know. Um, 
Opposite, opposite. I love that answer. She's one of my favorites. She's I think she's wonderful. actually probably one of the people that I've interviewed most like oh, throughout really? my career. And I don't know, always lovely, always so thoughtful about her work and perfect yes. for this kind of interview too. She is. She's really thoughtful. That's a really good word. And fun. Like we would dance. and Yeah, we had a great time, even though the show is like really Excellent sad. Show. And yeah. Excellent show. Um, yeah, I'm really proud to have been part of it. Um Trying to think of like an opposite person. Oh, okay. So Alain Noel, who plays my husband James on A Lot of Nothing, we're very opposite. So in the sense that we're dealing with kind of heavy material, even though it's satirical and it has some laughs in it, it's mostly like it's quite heavy. And his way of dealing with that, he, he wants to stay in it. So he would go lock himself in the closet of the house that we were filming in. And after weeks of rehearsal with him and having all this fun, all of a sudden he was like really switched off. And I was like, oh, like I, I thought he didn't like me. And then one night we were doing a night shoot. And on night shoots, you know, you get a little loopy. We're getting a little silly. And he was like a little silly was coming out. And I was like, what's up? Like, how come you're always hiding away? Like, what's going on? Like, where's this guy been? And he's like, Cleo, I'm not like you. I can't just be like, ha, 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 laughing and then switch into like a serious, I got to stay in it. I, I have to be estranged from you because of the relationship in the movie. And I was like, oh, okay, I'm glad. I'm glad you told me because I thought you didn't like me. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, now I want an example of like, what is the most random thing you've ever done when the onset late night sillies kick in? Um... Maybe like dancing or just like weird snacking. Weird snacking is you an know, excellent choice. <laughs> like, I mean, for me, I don't really drink soda, but if I reach for a Coca-Cola like that, you know, like, or like Sour Patch Kids, I'll just eat like two bags of Sour Patch Kids and then be like, I have a tummy ache. You know, like that's, that's what <laughs> I've happens. made one movie in my life and I've never been sicker because I was eating a lot of weird shit in yes. just the middle of the night. Yeah, in the middle you're of the just night, craving and your brain's working so much and you're so tired and yeah, you're. it's almost like when someone's pregnant and they're just craving crazy things. Yeah. yeah. I, have, I have many, too many memories in that department. <laughs> All right. Infinity pool. Before I get into my like weird specifics here, just more broadly, when an opportunity like that comes your way and maybe even before you get the script, you just get the logline or a brief synopsis. Are you like, I have to do that? Or should I do that? Because holy shit, what could I be getting myself into? Well, I mean, I saw Brandon Cronenberg's name and the title Infinity Pool and I was a fan of his work. So I was like, okay what's this about and I read it and you know the opening scene is like over black and it's just this dialogue between husband and wife Em and James and the dialogue itself was I mean it's like kind of a, a abstract prologue to the whole film but without having read the whole film I was already like this is so strange in a way that I can't even put my finger on and that's the thing about I think for me, about Brandon as a filmmaker, um, he's definitely like anarchist and he's genre and there's all of these things, but there's something intangible about his work that that I find really exciting. And that and that I think that opening scene was like full of that. And I was like, what is this? You know? So and then I, I read it and I was like, absolutely. Did he give you all the answers for things? Like there's so many burning questions that I have. I mean, even specifically, and I'll I'll just give our, our viewers a spoiler warning. The movie's been out. I hope you all get to see it again, but this is a good time to push pause. Then you go watch the movie. It's that easy. And then you come back and you push play and it starts right here. That's it. You're all safe. Okay. <laughs> but like even things like people theorizing that 
you know, that's not really James anymore. It's his clone or the idea that the cloning process, even if it is truly the real James, it's changed who he was. Do you have or does Brandon have and has he given you all the answers to those types of questions? Well, I mean, you'd probably have to ask Alex specifically if they had that conversation. But generally, I find Brandon, no, like to the point of like that that intangibility that he has, he also is aware of how valuable that is, I think. And like, you know, you can sit there and you can be like, let's let, cause we had a sit down meeting in, um, in Hungary, you know, before we started filming. And, you know, I was of course tempted to be like, so what is this movie about? Like, what does it really mean? Like, tell me like, but he's like, he's not like that. And I think that's what's again, like really exciting about him as a filmmaker. I think he knows the value of like the moment you start to try to pick it apart, it loses that special sheen, yeah. I guess. I'm the best and worst person for his kinds of movies. <laughs> I, I like I like being able to build movie Bibles, but I right. do I do like when a movie encourages me to do it myself rather than spell yeah. everything out. Yeah. All right. For for M specifically now, this is this is kind of like backstory type stuff. But when I experience a movie like this, I always do like to know certain details. So the first question I had is a question that comes up in the movie when when someone asks her why James. Do you think the answer she gives in the movie is truly at its core, or is there is there more to why she wanted to be with James? I think there's more to it. Um, I think you know the reason for them being together. You're not really seeing that at this point. They're ten years in, and it's kind of fallen apart and become very very stale. But I do think that. That is a big reason why. I mean, she's being silly about it and having fun with her answer, but I think at its core, like, she has a a, a dad that might be narcissistic. He might be, you know, she describes him as a monster, so do with that what you will. But, you know, he does not want her to marry someone like that. And I think the idea is that, you know, when you're a child of someone like that, you're not really getting your emotional needs met. And so in order to do so, you sort of prod and poke and sort of try to provoke a feeling of care. And so doing something like that, you know, would get her dad's attention, hopefully. I'm going off track now, but talking about, talking about James is making me think of like this broader question, whether it's Infinity Pool or anything you've worked on, sticking with the idea of someone having writer's block. Can you recall a scene where you as an actor were having a tough time cracking it and tell us how you kind of overcame that challenge and figured it out, whether it was, you know, accessing a character's headspace that was tough, figuring out why they chose to do a certain thing, anything in that respect? Um, I think sometimes this does happen where you're, you think you know what the scene's about, and then you film it and halfway through you're like, oh. And hopefully it's not like after you've gone home and you're in bed and you wake up and you're like, oh, I get it now, but it's too late. Um, yeah, I mean, that definitely happens. I think with a lot of nothing, with Vanessa, there was just so much there, like so much to unpack. And I was actually lucky, and I, I say this because, you know, this – this film had a lot of challenges in, in the making of it. And one of the biggest challenges was we got shut down for COVID and we came back a year later to finish it. And we went through, you know, COVID, social uprising, all of these topical things that were pertinent to the, to the story. But also we all came back different. You know, we all came back very changed people. And I was grateful to have that time 
to sort of marinate in this character because, you know, I got the job and then we rehearsed for two weeks and then we were filming and, like, I don't think that's enough for a normal film, but with this film it was so, so much. So I was kind of happy that we got that time to, and then I came back to her just sort of understanding a little deeper, you know. I've heard that a good deal over the past couple of years, and I, I understand yeah. how that can help. Two more Infinity Pool questions for you. <laughs> the, fir the first is like literally the ending of the movie, but if he had gotten on the plane and gone home, would she actually have taken him back? Um, I mean... If the phone call they have is any indication, I would say, yeah. I don't think M really um, is as emotionally intelligent as she could be. I think she's sort of caught up in maybe like, um, I don't want to say trauma bond, but there's something there with James that I, I don't think she feels at home in that world that she's from. I think she's a participant in it, but she's also slightly removed from it. And I, I think, unfortunately, she probably would get back with him. I think they'd be that couple that just goes to dinner and doesn't speak, you know. I could watch this whole movie again just from her perspective. Yeah. Like where midway we go home with her and I yeah. want to see what she, like, I want to see private moments with her mm. as she's kind of sitting there with poor everything M. she had been through. Yeah. <laughs> you bet Poor, poor M. All right, so my other one, I always like asking ladies' night guests about working with past guests. You've already brought up Caitlin, but now I have to ask about working with Mia. And yes. I mean, she just feels like every single thing she's in, like a one-of-a-kind force. So can you give me an example of a time on set when she took something was on the page and made it something like way more or completely different than what you originally expected? Oh, like every time she's very, um, very intense and very captivating. And I mean, Gabby as a character is, is written that way, but she as an actor, I mean, it's so interesting. She talks with this really soft voice, but she has this guttural thing that she can bring out that is very special and very dynamic. And as an actor, like it was oftentimes a challenge to just stay in it because she's one of those actors that you, you, get lost sort of watching her performance especially with a character like that um yeah she's incredible she's like I'm, I'm always signing up for her films because yeah. like I I feel like she's always going to keep me on my toes and going above and beyond my already high expectations for her yes <laughs> something else all right I have to end with this. I have to end with some more Rebel Moon talk. Because last time we spoke, we were talking a little bit about what Zach is like on that set. Don't get so me in trouble now. I'll, I won't get you in trouble. I want to kind of like flip that around now and focus on your incredible co-cast. And I'll apply the, the Mia question to it, actually. Is there any particular member of that ensemble that took, some, took something on the page and just went above and beyond with it and you were just really impressed and they exceeded your expectations? Um, I, I, <laughs> oh, no. there's literally no way to answer that. There's no safe question. No, I, <laughs> okay, here, here's a, here's a creative way. I don't know if you can answer this either, but I'll try. Here's a creative way to talk about Rebel Moon. So I know that the, the story had Star Wars roots. If you could compare your Rebel Moon character to an existing Star Wars character, who would you choose? Harry, I don't can't even have to tell do me that. why. I can't even do that. 
<laughs> I've thought myself in circles on this question. I'm sure it's tough. It's tough. We'll have to wait for December 23rd. I'm very, I'm very, very excited for December 23rd. I'm so curious to see how that one turned out. I'll, I'll end with this because I do always love hearing about what's on someone's bucket list. And, you know, also because you've been talking a little bit about, you know, having some behind the scenes experience with your short film. So whether it's behind the camera or a certain type of role or a certain type of character quality that you've never had the opportunity to play. What is the top at the top of your bucket list? Something you hope to do in the near future? Um, okay. Well, character wise, I'm writing a film that I won't say too much about, but it has musical punk aspects. And it's another one of those characters that's, you know, it's like, you're walking down Hollywood Boulevard and you see this strung out girl with a bag full of makeup and then she like drops it and then she like disappears and you keep going on the road. It's like if you went with her and you saw her day, that's kind of what I'm interested in. These these characters that, you know, you don't always like them, you don't always agree with their decisions, but you're somehow rooting for them because there's something about them that you love because, you know, the most oddly behaved or terribly behaved person you can find like linear reasons for why they're behaving that way and I, I like to explore that you explore that more I will I keep will. coming back for more I like those <laughs> kinds of characters and complexities congratulations on everything you've accomplished I can't wait to see Rebel Moon and I can't wait to see what comes beyond it as well you are always welcome back to Collider Ladies Night thank you so much thank you Kitty-Litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.